season's over. Everyone wants to move on. But I think it's time to look back at the 2022 season. We're going to give you some superlatives. We're going to open up the 2020 year, which is full of depressing pictures you never want to see again and uh, events that you wish you never went to. But we're going to look back at it, get the positives, the negatives, and everything in between. And we're going to talk about Zay Flowers, who got a big-time award on Monday. All of this and more on today's Locked On BC. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked On BC. Today's episode is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Eagles and Stonehill Skyhawks right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you love. Try it today. All right, folks, you have asked for it. You got it. Mitch is back. Mitch, how you hanging in there, bud? I'm doing good now. Last week I was doing not so well. I was quite ill with COVID, but um, I unfortunately broke my several year streak of not getting it. Uh, but now I'm feeling better and happy to be back on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm glad to hear you're feeling well. And uh, we're here to talk football. And I know at this point, like unless I'm talking recruiting or transfer portal news, it, it, it's it's negative. Uh, yesterday's episode, we got a positive. And hey, look at that. When the episode goes positive, it had more hits than most episodes in the last two <laughs> weeks. Um, as we talked about Khalil Ali a um, safety from Pensacola, New Jersey, who committed to BC uh, after decommitting only a couple of weeks ago. Now, today's episode is more positive news to kick this off with. And if we're talking football, we're talking positive. There's one man we're talking about, and that is the man on your screen right now, Zay Flowers. Zay was named third team All-American by the AP. That is a big deal. Mitch, what, what, do you, what does this say about what kind of season he had? I think it's the appropriate flowers for a for Zay Flowers' best season as a Boston College Eagle. Uh, best season by far in terms of his own stats. Obviously, the worst in terms of team result. But you really saw Flowers take his game to a next his to another level this year, uh, affecting the game in a lot of different ways. You know, for I think the most one of the biggest things for me was he just turned a lot more of his receptions into first downs. So this year. He had 78 catches and 49 of those were first downs. The year before he had 44 catches, 28 first downs, 55 catches, 30 first downs the year before that. And then his first year, he had 22 catches and only 12 of them turned into first downs. So you just saw him being involved in the offense a lot more. And it was just ways that they were, and it was like the smart thing to do in that they were like, Hey, like we needed to get a first down. Let's just get the ball to our best guy. And you even saw his, that ability take hold in the red zone where they, found a lot of designer plays for him where you know in the red zone i think a lot of teams were like okay well it's gonna go to zay flowers and bc essentially said yeah we know that you know we don't care we're still gonna throw it to him and he still was able to score a lot of touchdowns you know that's why he was able to break the record for most career receiving touchdowns by bc receiver so you know looking at the other all americans it, it i it, i think third is I think it'd be hard pressed to get him to second team. Uh, look at first team Marvin Harrison Jr. Fair Jalen Hyatt, very fair Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State, very fair considering he led the nation in targets. He was uh, let's see second in in uh, in receptions, and he was on arguably a, a just as bad an offense as Zay Flowers wasn't he had an excellent year as well. 
Um, and then the second team, you've got Charlie Jones at Purdue, who had a very good year. Rasheed Rice from SMU, had another very good year. And Josh Downs, who a lot of people kind of, I think, compare Zay Flowers and Josh Downs. And, you know, Josh Downs was on a better offense and he was able to produce a little more than Zay Flowers, I would say. So, you know, I, I can't really argue for Flowers being any higher, but him getting on the third team is an appropriate award for him, I would say. It's And it's so, you know, I'm not, I don't really look at, all Americans a lot to see how many players make it on absolutely horrible teams. But I mean, I can go back in BC history. I'm sure Luke, I'm hundred percent sure Luke Keekley had it mm-hmm. uh, in one of those seasons that BC was terrible, uh, but it, it just kind of sticks out to you how, you know, in a year that was so forgettable that had nothing going on, you had a guy that had such a special season. Um, Here's, I'm just looking in Peter Skaronsky, who's the left tackle for Northwestern, was first team All-American. And Northwestern was one of the teams that was made probably worse than BC in college football. And, and that, their only win came on came in Ireland. They didn't win another game on U.S. soil for the rest of the year. So it's rare, but it can happen. Yeah, I mean, it it, it just it just shows. And um, as we've said on this podcast before, we're, we're both big Zay Flower fans. And uh, th- this is just another example of what he what he can do. And I don't think, I think it's fair to say that we'll never see another receiver like BC, like Zay flowers at BC. In terms of, well, in terms of his specific skill set, probably I honestly, I think that in the right, if they use him correctly, I think Joseph Griffin could give him a run for his money. Maybe not in terms of like the career career stats in that if Griffin does what I expect him to do, he might leave after three years. Uh, but I think Joseph Griffin's going to be a, kind of the next in line for, and this is so weird to say, but next in line for great BC wide receivers. <laughs> I know, right? Like before this, you, you, you had to really like, and I know that some of the older fans out there are going to yell at us for saying this, but like kind of had to scrape to find uh, that, that typical like good wide receiver. Like Alex Amadon was fine, but was he anything super special? I don't, I don't, I don't think he was, but uh now, I mean, the part of the reason why Zay was such a big deal was the story in the offseason that he came back. And I think BC fans, you know, really, really appreciated the fact that he turned down NIL deals uh, to return to the Eagles. We talked about this a lot, but I'm kind of segging this into another uh, quick conversation before we hit the break. And I want to read another player who seems to maybe be going the same route as Zay. And I know uh, Mitch knows who I'm talking about. A one Christian Mahogany tweeted yesterday something that was very cryptic, which he's very good at. Um, But he also tweeted, if you have to sell out, don't do it. Don't be something you're not. I'd rather be myself as a bricklayer than someone as a multimillionaire. You can't give in. You cannot break your own values. You need to be you. Mitch, what does that mean to you? I mean, if he does end up going somewhere else for... Uh, you know, NIL money, I think the transfer portal and ends up at a different program. I mean, yeah, he's got to delete that tweet because that would just <laughs> fly in the face of everything he just said. So, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Christian Mahogany and his cryptic tweets this season. And I think this is definitely the most positive one for, if you're a BC fan that you can find. Uh, I think I, I'm, I, yeah, that's pretty much it is. I just think that he, that's really the best outcome you could have from him from given the rest of how you could kind of take all of his previous tweets one way or the other. This one I think is pretty set in stone as to what he's trying to get across. So uh, hopefully we're right. And hopefully he comes back because this team needs all the help on the offensive line that they can get. 
as as I'm reading this tweet, he has pinned above it. This, this feels like it was eight years ago. His touchdown in the spring game yeah. <laughs> with him doing the keg stand, which mm-hmm. I think we're all very high on when that happened. But nah, that that seems like so long ago at this point. But um, in a moment, Mitch and I are going to go down to some per, some superlatives. We're going to look at our MVP of the season, who is not named Zay Flowers, because that would make this kind of boring. Zay Flowers is automatically going to win everything, but we're going to look at other players because we're going to going to expand our horizon a little bit. We're going to look at our low points of the season, high points of the season and everything in between. So make sure to stay tuned because we're going to get into that in just a moment. But if you know me, you know, I love Omaha steaks. Omaha steaks are a perfect gift for the winter and for all your holiday shopping. This is insane. Omaha Steaks has cut prices 50% statewide to make you the gift-giving hero that you always wanted to be. The holidays are here. Achieving gift gifting greatness will give you the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. Now, I got Omaha Steaks back in the day a couple years ago from my wife's grandmother, and I didn't understand what it was when I got it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, I've seen other things that come in boxes, and I was like, yeah. But what I'm telling you, it's mouthwatering. It's juicy. It was delicious. It was easy to cook. It was like having a restaurant meal at home. And I, I'm telling you, you need to check this out. So Omaha Steaks have been putting together a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide. Plus use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an additional $40 off your order. Don't wait. Shop today and beat the shop shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to check out. Again, minimum order may be required. All right, so I'm here with Mitch. We're talking about the the end of the season, and we're doing a wrap-up. This is kind of putting a little bow on the Boston College 2022 season. Uh, One that is kind of like um, the cat in the National Lampoon Christmas Vacation, you know, where they throw the cat. That's what this season felt like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a live cat in a box, and that's that's what the season was. So, uh, my first question: the offensive MVP here that is not named Zay Flowers because Zay Flowers is the answer for both of us, and any person with a brain's gonna pick that. But I wanted to have a little fun here and think of somebody else. Make us really think outside the box, Mitch. Who was your non-Zay Flowers offensive MVP? Well, I think obviously it's got to be Jack Conley. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Um, this is really tough because I, on one hand, I think you can kind of make the the anti-argument that it is Conley because I think you can make the argument he was the biggest issue on the offensive line, so his play contributed the most negatively to the offensive line, but I, I won't go that way. I'll try to stay positive, like you said, to begin this show. Um I think I'm going to go with actually Alex Broom and he didn't play that much, but a lot of times when he did get carries, he was the spark that this offense desperately needed. You know, Pat Garo was a very good running back. I really like him. I hope he comes back. Uh, he, but he's just, he's more of a pound in between the tackles running back and Broom actually got, gave some juice to the backfield. He was also extremely reliable in pass protection, which is incredible for a young running back. Uh, but he had a lot of like play the big touchdown run against Louisville. He had some other big, I think he had a big run against Duke. Um, so, you know, I think you're going to see him get the ball a lot more next year. And he's kind of more of that halfly mold of running back, but uh, 
given that there isn't a ton of other strong candidates, I'll go with Alex Broom for the non-Zay Flowers offensive MVP for BC's 2022 season. I I, I was absolutely stuck on this one. <laughs> like the question that I'm like, I don't even know the answer to this because like, if you were to look for an MVP on the offense, like who the hell do you pick? Like George Takis was hurt too much. George Joseph Griffin was there, but he really was like in a, invisible for large portions of the season. I, it was I like it was like a three or four game stretch where he was really, really good and, and gave that spark as well. But yeah, he was one I thought of too. The other one I, I kind of thought of was Dino Tomlin. And again, yeah. towards the end of the season, but had a lot of extremely valuable plays for this team uh, down the stretch, even in games where they lost. Yeah, I mean, I could go with that. I, 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 I Jalen Gill, I, <laughs> Jaden yeah. Williams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gil, Gil would be another. And again, I I wish they had given Gil more targets because he he was I thought he was quite good despite only getting forty three targets and he only caught twenty seven of them. He didn't catch a touchdown this year, but I felt a lot. He he didn't have many drops. He'd only he was only credited with one drop. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought he had a lot of clutch catches. Uh, that big fourth down against NC State was huge early in the game. Um, he had some big catches against Louisville. Yeah, I, I wish they had gotten in the ball more. And I thought, yeah, he definitely had some nice, nice plays. All right, so my pick's going to be Emmett Moorhead, I guess. I know, okay. I, 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 like, we're all the people we're picking were either not um, very effective, hurt, or they only played like smatterings of the season. So Emmett Moorhead played smattering of the season, and I thought he had probably the best out of all of them. So I'm going to pick Emmett Moorhead, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> all right, let's move on from the offense. Get away from that. Let's go to the defense. Defensive side of the ball, who do you got? And I'm guessing it's probably the person in this picture. Yeah, this one's easy for me. It's it's Donovan Ezraku, who I was extremely impressed by his play this season. Um, even more, like I, I was very pleasantly surprised. Like I thought he would have a good year, but he was on a different level as a run defender, and which is especially surprising for a guy that's relatively undersized. And he really came through as BC's best pass rusher. And, you know, I think he's still got room to grow there. You can always keep improving as a pass rusher as you get stronger, as you get more nuance with your technique, you add different pass rush moves, but especially down the stretch, he came through with a lot of really clutch plays for BC. He had uh, the strip, the the sack against Duke that again, they didn't win the game, but they needed those defensive stops to even make that game close. Uh, he had some big plays that ultimately didn't mean anything uh, early in the season against Rutgers, where he had two forced fumbles, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited for his development. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a big part of the defense moving forward. So I, I got to go with Donovan Ezraku. Do you think he's going to be as good as Harold Landry? It's tough because honestly, I think, I think he's better as a run defender than Harold Landry ever was to be frank. Um, mm. that was always Landry's issue, but Landry was so good as a pass rusher that I, I still think it's really tough. And I'm not, I'm not sure yet. I think it's possible, but I, I think getting to those heights would still be, that would require a big leap though. And I mean, he surprised me once he could surprise me again. Um, but yeah, that would be awesome. All right. And I'm going to agree with you there. there, there there's no other question that uh, Azaraku was, was up there, but I think you had some of your players that you listed on Eagle insider. Like you want to give shout outs to, I think like guys like Vinny De Palma, Marcus Valdez also had solid seasons as well. And those are two guys I think that, at the beginning of the season didn't get a lot of respect uh but but had put together nice seasons yeah absolutely i mean de palma had a ton of clutch plays as well a lot of fourth a lot of fourth down stops where he's you know stopped qb draws and qb runs uh that were really important uh valdez was uh, you know a little bit of a down season for him in terms of numbers but 
just still really consistent and, you know, made, made that huge, some of those huge plays against NC state late in the game mm-hmm. um, was they could, you know, he was there as a pass rusher, you know, you still wish that he had been able to do a little more, but he was somebody that at least the other team had to, you know, keep an eye on in terms of like some other unsung guys like Chibuzi on Wuka had a very good final season in college football. Um, you know, Jason Matrix hit the transfer portal, but I thought he had some really nice games. Like he did have some down moments, but uh, oh, don't say that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cam, Cam Arnold again, up, a little bit up and down, but I, I, he's still learning the position a little bit. I thought there were, a lot of good moments from him, a lot of abilities to, you know, be a full, full field rangy defender that was able to make big hits. And Elijah Jones, who, you know, I know there's going to be some bad memories of him, you know, against specifically against Louisville. Uh, but he also had a lot of really good moments. And, you know, I think he said based on PFF, he had the best coverage grade of anybody who played like was a, was a real starter, you know, Cole Batson is a slightly better one, but he was mostly a rotational player. Um, or a replacement player late in the season, but you know, Jones finally got on the board in terms of interceptions. He had a ton of passes broken up. Um, and you know, I, I am, I really commend him for his ability to, you know, if he did get beat or he just, if the guy caught a pass over him, he wasn't going to get down to the dumps on himself. He wasn't going to let it keep happening. He had a very short memory and just said, all right, next play, I'll get him next time. And a his, lot of times um, he did. His percentage of, passes completed was really good compared yeah, to only 52% of his, pass. which was much better than DeBerry, which surprised me. Yeah. And that's kind of that, that is one thing of like being, well, yeah, that, that's kind of one thing of being in the slot is guys just get open a little easier, yep. but, but yeah, I mean, still really impressive numbers for him uh, in terms of, you know, not really allowing a ton of big plays. And a lot of the times when he did, it was just, it was a, you know, one of the quarterback going, Hey, I'm going to give my guy an opportunity one-on-one and you know, sometimes you just lose those. And he, a lot of times he was still in good position and sometimes you just get beat. So, you know, really impressive season for him. And it seems like he's coming back, which I think will be really good. You know, I don't think he has much more room to grow as a player, but if you can have him as a reliable cornerback too, while you develop a guy like Amari Jackson or CJ Burton, that's going to be a solid secondary, I think. Yep. Okay. In a moment, we're going to look at some, other questions looking at the high moments, the low moments and everything in between, but can we pause this p- podcast for a second? We pause. All right, great. Cause you're going to want to try this. I'm talking about built bars, new reimagined flavors, cookie dough topper, which is my absolute favorite, the coconut, coconut brownie bar and the coconut brownie topper. They are all delicious. And they also have, other great bars you need to check out, including the white chocolate peppermint granola. It's Bill's take on a granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And for the holidays, the cookie candy cane brownie puff. Built bars are like biting into the universe, most delicious cloud. I'm not kidding. You're going to need to try these out. They are 100% real chocolate, 7 grams of protein, and shockingly low 130 calories. Are you going to beat that with anything else? Absolutely not. So why don't you go to built.com? And if you use promo code LOCKEDON15, you're going to get 15% off your order when you order today. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15. AJ Black here, Locked On BC, talking about the 2022 season with, with Mitch Wolf. And let's start with the negatives. Let's look at the low point of the season. There are quite a few low points you can look at. And I will start this off by talking about my low point of the season, which was the UConn game. The Rutger game was terrible. I was there live with my son and watched it, and that one was horrible. But losing to a team that you have never lost to before by scoring three points against the Yukon Huskies 
is absolutely unforgivable. And I said it before and I'll say it again. This was the moment where Jeff Halfley lost me. And I'm not, I am not completely lost yet, but it, let's say he didn't lose me, but I, I was off the train at that point. I was, I was done. That was an absolutely atrocious game to watch. UConn gave, gave BC every chance to win that game. It wasn't like they played all that well, maybe better on defense, but this was one of the games where I watched that offensive line look like complete garbage as you UConn put Jakovic out for the rest of the season. This was absolutely my low point of the season. What about you, Mitch? I think it's hard to pick anything else. Uh, I couldn't agree more with all of those points. You know, the offense just it did absolutely nothing. You know, UConn scores their, their touchdown is on a, you know, kind of a fluky explosive play. And then BC just couldn't mount any kind of comeback, even though the defense, like you said, gave them plenty of opportunities. The UConn had plenty of miscues on their own end. It, that was just an absolutely pathetic showing. And like, I, I agree with you, but I'll just throw out another one. I think, the the a letting Syracuse get completely make a four touchdown comeback uh in the season finale you know it, again we we didn't think that beating Syracuse was gonna you know erase all the sins of the 2022 season but it would have been nice to end on a high note especially the week after getting the doors blown off against Notre Dame you know you think okay like maybe they can ice this game out there's only about a quarter left I think it was even like it was less than a quarter it was like 10 minutes left and yeah. you know after the Donovan Azaraku commits that roughing the pass penalty. Syracuse coast just goes right down, scores a touchdown. And that was pretty much the game. And they just kept scoring to put it away from there. So I agree with you, the UConn one, but just the, finishing a terrible year with an even more sour note certainly wasn't uh, anything good either. All right. Let's end this with a few positive things. Let's, let's look at the high point of the season. I mean, this is going to be a quick conversation. It's going to be the NC state game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll both agree upon that one. I don't think there was any other positive moment of the season i guess beating louisville but i don't know yeah beating louisville i mean that was kind of that was a fun game to watch because it was it was very much back and forth and just a lot of crazy things happening you, know, you have i was like the big touchdowns is a then you have Dracovic's backwards pass lateral which was crazy um and but yeah i mean i think the i agree the high point is end state joseph griffin catching that touchdown with like 10 seconds left in the game was incredible uh and it's unfortunate that that win, you know, Jeff Hap being Jeff Halfley's first win over ranked opponent. And then, of course, NC State never fell out of the rankings because Boo Corrigan is the most corrupt athletic director in all of college football. Um, <laughs> it's going to be kind of lost history because of how bad the season was and I, and how much longer Jeff Halfley will most likely be coaching here. So, but yeah, still a, a great moment that, you know, he, he kind of... If, put some hope in BC fans, but then the next two weeks quickly dashed it away. Okay. And then finally our freshman of the year, just going to wrap up our conversation. Freshman of the year, Mitch. I'm, I'm guessing I, I, I bet I can guess who you picked. You picked Alex Burm. That probably, I, I think there are cases to be made for Joseph Griffin. Again, it was in relatively uh, limited spurts. You know, he, I think he missed essentially missed the last two games with injury, but he, he did, have that big game winning play. He had that huge game against Duke um, had some nice plays in the games leading up to it. Uh, again, Broom didn't get a ton of getting really get enough opportunities uh, as much or not even get enough opportunities as he deserved, but he was very solid as pass protector, very good in catching the ball, running the ball, everything. That's probably the answer I would go with. I would, I would have loved to have gone with a guy like Amari Jackson who had some really nice moments in coverage, but, as the season wore on, he just started getting picked on more and more. So yeah, I'll probably have to go with Alex Broom on this one. 
which is not yeah, exactly, it's a tough, not, it's, not it's, exciting, it's, but it's it, it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your other options are, you know, I, one guy that I thought came on at the end but didn't play enough was Ed, Edwin Kalingi. I think mm-hmm. he he looked good, but it was it was he's still gonna be a red shirt. He's gonna earn his red shirt this year. He only played three games, but I thought he looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna have to go with Broom because, as you said, there's no other players that I thought stood out as true freshmen um, enough to, 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 to dethrone him mm-hmm. uh, because you had like Jeremiah Franklin, who I have major concerns about. Um, mm-hmm. You had a couple guy as you said, Amari Jackson, Jude Bowery. He didn't really play all that much. I think that was it. Even if you include, like, I mean, I think if you want to include like redshirt freshman, like Cole Batson had some nice moments, but also had some, you know, he was a little bit up and down. I think, I think his, his, the future is bright, but he is young. So they're up and Quan Williams. Nice. Had a good, good true freshman season. Uh, yep. Kind of went under the radar because of how much they rotated their defensive linemen and, and at times how much they struggled to stop the run. But uh, he's very encouraging player. So, yeah, I mean, a, a decent, you know, despite, again, despite how bad this season was, I think there are still a lot of, you know, good players to look forward to watching uh, next year. All right, Mitch, we're going to wrap things up here. And uh, on tomorrow's show, I'm going to talk about Stonehill and BC. Looking forward to this game. Mitch, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Uh, I am currently working on a post-season numerical statistical analysis of BC. I was going to try to publish it last week, but then I got sick. So I'm going to try to get that up this week. And I'm going to do an AMA again on Wednesday. We did that a few times earlier in the season. Um, I'm kind of I'm, I'm also going to be asking for uh, our fans and our listeners and our uh, board members and everything to, you know, what I kind of want to know, like what you guys want to see from a writing perspective. Um, I'm still working on getting some BC film um, in contact with some different people about getting some of the, of the all 22 tapes. That'll make analysis a lot better. Uh, but if not, I'll guess I'll just have to resort to rewatching the YouTube copies, but yep, that's what's coming from me. All right. And from my end, if you have not already joined Eagle insider, perfect time. I just said it's 50% off for an annual subscription. It includes paramount plus which is a great deal if you want to get in you get all mitch's premium stuff you get all my premium stuff as i said there are three transfers that boston college is linked to um i have talked to two of the three and brian doan our national writer who stops by and writes things every now and then has talked to the third you can find all that out on eagle insider you're going to want to hear about it because it's positions that mitch and i have talked about it is an offensive lineman a defensive lineman and safety help. And um, we'll, we have all that there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ black underscore BC. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll talk about BC and Stonehill, the season, that um, season finale. Wish it was for basketball, the non-conference finale for BC basketball for Mitch Wolf. This is AJ black. We will see you all again soon. Take care.